Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. This is a unique subject today, and I, uh, I, I think this is, I do a lot of this. I do a lot of teaching and preaching that I believe is intended to shape the culture of this house. I've told you this a number of times, but you must understand that church culture does not happen accidentally. You can have good church services, but still have a screwed up culture in a church. How many ever seen that before? You have a breakthrough on Sunday and then you come back the next week and the thing is as dead as one o'clock. Or, or you have a breakthrough and people crying the altar and starts, you know, snot flying, tears flowing, everybody loving one another, come back and next week everybody's hateful. See, culture happens when you have multiple victories and you sustain the breakthrough of the kingdom that has invaded the place. And if you don't create culture, then what you find, I, my, I told you this, I studied organizational leadership uh, at Lee University. And we did a project one time, Dr. Fred Garman uh, asked us to do a project one time and we discovered this. That in organizations, listen to this carefully. Now, this is not the church, but it translates. It translates into the church. In organizations, it takes 10 years to change a culture. You can actually experience uh, growth. You can actually experience new ideas, new concepts. Uh, but if you don't reinforce it for 10 years, the study indicates that there are strange and unusual attractors that will take an organization back into the culture that it was previously in unless you can sustain the newness for 10 years or longer. Think of that when it comes to churches. Some of us in this place have come from other places and we have adopted other cultures. And so one of the reasons I consistently and continually try to reinforce what the kingdom looks like, I believe it's an assignment of God, is because we have to continually confront what we have assumed about the kingdom. And we have to define and articulate and give vocabulary to, to what the kingdom really looks like so that people who thought they knew the kingdom find entrance into the reality of his kingdom and they stop living according to church services and they start living according to what God said and define the kingdom of God to be. Uh, and I want to talk today a little bit about the kingdom and I'm going to preach out of Genesis chapter 11 and then I want you to go to Acts chapter 2 for just a scripture or two and I want to find something here. And I want, to, I want to preach this message for just a moment. Kingdom unconfusion. Look at your neighbor and say, kingdom unconfusion. How many know God is not the author of confusion? But I'm getting ready to show you how he confused something. Oh, God. God is not the author. How many agree that's what the Bible says? Book of James says God is not the author of confusion. How many would agree with that? But I'm getting ready to show you how God confused something. 
Genesis chapter one, 11, verse 1, when you got to say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Say, I don't know what it is about your outfit today. But you look seven years younger today than you did last Sunday. Come on, tell somebody. Wear it again, wear it again, wear it again. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come let us, somebody say let us, make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar, and they said, somebody say they said, come let us, say let us, build ourselves a city. And a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us, somebody say, let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered abroad over the earth, the whole face of the earth. But the Lord came down. How many know how, the Lord knows how to come down here? But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the son of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now nothing, somebody say nothing. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld for them, from them. Verse 7, come let us, somebody say let us, go down there and confuse their language. that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there all over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called confusion. Now, I know you saw Babel, but the word Babel means confusion. That's what it means in the Hebrew, literally. They called the name of the city Confusion because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Would you please flip over to Acts chapter 2 with me, family? How many know God is good? Acts chapter 2. Verse 5. Oh, let me jump up to verse 4 and bless myself. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, somebody say this sound. The multitude came together and were, uh-oh. The multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Kingdom unconfusion. Help me today, Lord. Bless the people today, Father. For the next few moments, give me the grace to teach, preach the, preach the spirit of revelation and wisdom. Let it come upon me today by the Holy Ghost. I pray in the name of the Lord they would have ears to hear and a heart to receive. Break strongholds right now, God. I pray that the word of God would expose our hearts. You said in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper. Come on, rhema. Give us rhema today. Somebody lift your hands up right now. Put your Bible down. God, give us rhema today. Talk to us today as a church, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost break through today as a church. God, on the church, God. I pray that this Logos will become rhema to this house. And I pray that it will pierce even the dividing of soul and sunder and joints and marrow. For the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Speak to me today, oh God, I pray. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I don't know that I've ever preached this text. In fact, I, I, I went back in my preaching log. I can't find record that I've ever preached this text, although it is one that we are mostly familiar with. I remember learning about this story as a child, and it was mesmerizing to consider that the people after the flood would actually aspire to build a tower that reached into the heavens. Now, what I find fascinating about this, this is post-flood. This is after the flood. This is the descendants of Noah. This is a purged and purified earth having been purged by the reign of God's judgment, cleansing the terra firma. The, the earth was polluted and poisoned with sin, and yet the Bible said that rain came and the and the deep places of the earth opened up and water covered the entire earth, cleansing the earth as it were, metaphorically and even physically cleansing the earth of the residue of sin. And after the waters receded and after Noah and after Noah survived the flood and his family began to establish uh, their own civilization, their lives began to expand, their, their families began to increase, and they began to be the people. And what we find here in Genesis chapter 11 are that the descendants of Noah began to move and migrate, and we see that they are going to begin to establish a life together. Now, I want to remind you on my way to my assignment today that God was very clear to Adam and Eve. He said to Adam and Eve, I want you to be, be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to take dominion on the earth. He said, I want everything in this earth to know it is up under the subjection of the man and the woman that I put on this planet. How many know God gave us dominion? How many know God gave us authority? And how many know we have a divine responsibility to be fruitful and multiply? Somebody say, yes, Lord. 
But the, but the issue here is that as they migrated and moved east in Genesis chapter 11, this band, this civilization, this group of, of Noah's sons and daughters, we are told that they move east and they find a plain, uh, uh, an idea piece of land in the, in the city called Shinar. And what most of us, the most theologians, I don't include myself in that, that, that group of people. I'm not necessarily saying I'm a theologian, but most theologians believe this was an idea, fertile, very uh, desired piece of property where people would want to set up shop, get comfortable, and build a life. The problem with it is God didn't say all of y'all concentrate in one area. God said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the entire earth. Now, I want to say something about this because there is a picture and a reminder and a warning built into this, this very scripture. You and I have got to be careful that we don't get huddled in our little church civilization in a comfortable place, in a place that's fertile, in a place that we all like, in a place that could really, really, really make us comfortable and forget that there is an entire world that God has called us. Oh, y'all not saying anything in here today. There are a lot of people who want to hide and huddle and build their own little civilization and God has called us not just to hide and group up. He called us in to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. And how many know God will sometimes stir up your nest to motivate you to get to the place he's called the church to occupy? This is a unique text because, because I have been taught and trained my entire life that unity is what we should aspire to. And I want to tell you and I want to reinforce the fact that unity is indeed what God wants us to aspire to. I, I don't know about you, but I want to walk together in unity. I want to walk together in unity because Psalm 133 said how beautiful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Unity and a people who walk in unity are like the oil that ran down on Aaron's beard all the way down to the skirts of his garments. Unity is like the dew that rested upon Hermon and upon Mount Zion. God said in Psalm 133 wherever there is unity God said right there I will command a blessing. That's why I refuse the pastor in division. I refuse to sit in division. When we have a disagreement in the, in, in the Wallace house, Devin will sit everybody down at the table and we got to work through the division because if you let strife in your house and you let that demon stay in your kitchen, it'll walk with you into your bedroom. It'll get in your living room. It'll keep the blessing of the Lord out of your house. We're going to cry. We're going to weep. We're going to talk about it. We're going to apologize. But at the end, oh, I didn't feel like preaching like this when I started, but I feel like talking about unity right now. You and I need to make sure that we endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When we walk in unity, there is not a suggested blessing. There is a commanded blessing from heaven on our lives. I, I want us to have unity. Look at your neighbor tell them, I want to walk in unity. Unity should be what we aspire to. Unity should be what we decide on. Stop asking God for unity. God does not give you unity. Unity is not a spirit. It's a decision. Oh, I didn't get no help on that one. Unity is not a spirit. It is a decision. Quit going around blaming God that you don't like people. 
Oh, God, give us a spirit of unity. God said, you get your own unity. Me and the Holy Ghost and the Son are one. You get your own unity. Quit allowing your division and your divisiveness and your attitude and your hatefulness and your prejudice. Stop allowing that to separate and make up your mind. Loving each other is more important than me protecting my territory. I want to walk in unity because when I walk in unity, there is a commanded blessing. But this text teaches us something powerful. That even though they had unity, they were still in a mess. Because the objective of their unity. You got to be careful who you walk in unity with. And what you're unified about. Uh huh. Because I want to remind you that Nazi Germany had some unity, but their unity was the was the murder and, and, and the horrific Holocaust of millions of our Jewish brothers and sisters. Might might I remind you that there were people who believed in slavery. Y'all not going to help nobody in here today. In our nation, there were people who were unified and believed that slavery was all right. But the objective of their unity, oh, it brought harm and hurt and pain, untold pain to an entire generation and an entire race of people. What are you saying? I'm saying the objective of unity is greater and more important, more important than unity itself. What are we unified about? The people in Genesis chapter 11 were unified at least five times in the text. It says us, let us, let us, 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 our, us. And God said, don't miss this. God said, God literally came down, which I think is hilarious because they were trying to go up and the writers reminding them, no matter how high you build, God still got to come down to find you. Y'all ain't helping nobody in here today. Look at somebody and tell them right now, he's still a higher. He's still higher. If he's going to come down here, he's going to have to take a step down. He's not yours. He's not just, he's not our level. He's not on the equal playing field with the president, the pope, none of it. How many know if he's going to help you, he's got to come down because his name is higher than any other name. His name is greater than any other name. And I want to remind you, no matter how powerful people may be, there is only one sovereign God who sits on the circle of the earth, whose eyes go to and fro. He has all power. And anytime he gets ready to move on earth, he still has to come down here. He came down. He came down and the Bible said he had to he had to deal with their misappropriated unity. Amen. Their objective was destructive. How so, pastor? I'm glad you asked. They were unified but they were unified in their desire to be as God themselves. I'm going I'm I'm to provoke your thinking right here. Why would they want to build something so high? <sighs> Why would they want to build something so high? Be, but, well, number one, it said they wanted to reach up into the heavens, but there's something deeper than just building something so high that they were trying to reach into heavens. What did they just survive and come out of? A flood. Watch this. They're trying to build a house that is so high that if God ever decided to judge the land again because of sin, they'd be able to survive and would not have to pay. Y'all not helping nobody for their sin. In other words, they're trying to ensure that they can remain as sinful as they want to be and never have to answer to a holy God again. There are some people who are trying to build a life that is exempt from the con consequences of sinful living. Oh, yeah. 
I'm going to make some folk mad and nervous at me right now. But I'm going to tell you, you can't build a mountain high enough. You can't build a tower high enough. I don't care how unified you are. You can't escape the good, the goodness or the judgment of God. And if God ever decides to judge one of us for our sin, how many knows he knows where to find us? You cannot float above the truth of God's word. You can't get higher. You can't get higher than the judgment of God. Now, this ain't a popular message right here, but I'm going to tell you, people who die in their sin are going to have to answer to a holy God. You say, Pastor, that sounds awful cruel. If God loved us, why would he send us to hell? God sends no man to hell except the man who rejected the only way that he ever gave for man to be saved. I came to tell you God will save anybody at any time of all their sin, no matter how messed up you are. Let me preach on Jesus for a minute. No matter how messed up you are, no matter how long you've been messed up, I don't care what you drink, what you snort, what you shoot in your veins. I don't care how many people you have slept with. I don't care how long you have run. The Bible said if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Christ will save to the uttermost. But you can't build a tower high enough to escape the judgment of God if you run from God. Other people believe that this tower that they were building was, a, was an attempt to get into the heavenlies. An attempt to get closer to the stars, to to, to even be, as it were, uh, to, to, to be deities themselves. Most Jewish uh, historians believe that Nimrod was responsible for the building of the tower. They are so unified. Don't miss that. Evil people were unified. And God had to come down and confuse them because evil people experience, don't miss it, the power of unity. No wonder the devil tries to keep us divided. I'm going to walk around here for a minute. Evil people were going to succeed. God said if I don't do something, their unity is going to produce anything they want. Read the text. They can do whatever they want to do because they have unity. And then you come to the church. I'm, I'm not getting no help today. I don't know, I don't know if y'all got Ruach hangover or what it is, but I'm going to preach in here for a minute. I'm going to preach in here for a minute. Because, because you come to the church and people have the unmitigated goal to act like they got to just uh, survive a two-hour service on Sunday morning and just put up with your brother and sister in Christ. And you don't like them and you don't like what they believe and you don't like how they dress. And I'm talking to people who ain't even in my church. You sitting up there driving to your church right now and you're thinking about people while I'm talking to you that you don't even like. And you're going to sit beside them Wave your little sanctified hands and act like while you sit there in your three-piece suit, God don't care about the fact that in your heart you can't even agree on certain tenets of the faith. And because the church can't get in unity, we don't see nothing happen in the earth. And in Genesis 11, evil people. Why are you hollering, Pastor? Because somebody needs to listen. 
evil people had enough unity and a, and a certain objective that God had to come down. And he had to confuse. I found out if you got the wrong objective, God will confuse you for a while. Oh, God is not the author of confusion, Pastor. I agree. He's not the author of confusion. Listen, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have the sovereign power to say to people, whenever he wants to, I'm going to keep you from doing what you decided you were going to do. How many know God can do whatever he wants to do? Now, this text is crazy because God comes down. They wanted to build a tower for their name. And for their protection. What they're trying to do is build, don't miss it, they're trying to build a kingdom without God. What kind of agenda is it when you and I see people all over this nation trying to, I'm talking about in churches, preachers taking pulpit time to preach their own kingdom. And their own agenda. Hmm. And God said to me, I'm getting ready to confuse some people who have a wrong objective. You say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I think God is so jealous for the kingdom to be demonstrated, he's tired of people using his resources and his name to build kingdoms for themselves. The most appalling thing to me every time I have we, we have Ruach, it's not appalling. It's always shocking to me. I just feel like everybody ought to know what the kingdom of God looks like and feels like. Amen. But it's amazing how many people don't. And people start, people, people just start drawing in the breath of the demonstration of the kingdom of God. This is not our kingdom in this house. You, you, are you hearing what I'm telling you? This is not Devin and Kevin Wallace's kingdom. I just made up my mind a long time ago. Uh, Y'all don't get offended. And, and if you're a first-time guest, I don't say this all the time, but I'm going to say it this morning. To hell with men kingdoms. I meant what I said. That's where they came from, and that's where they need to go back to. We keep preaching man's kingdom and man's agenda and we confuse people sitting in our seats because what they're trying to find is a kingdom life and we keep talking about our kingdoms and because there's a little bit of unity about it and a little bit of favor on it and a little bit of blessing on it, we get confused thinking this is the kingdom of God. Stop building kingdoms for yourself and for your name. They said, we want to build a kingdom for our name and for ourselves. We want to build a tower and we want to huddle up right here in the plain of Shinar. And we're not ever going to move out and we're, never not, we're not ever going to diversify and we're, not ever, we're all going to be the same. And they all have one language and this is what's crazy. When you speak the same language and have that kind of synergy in unity... God said you can do anything. How many are old enough to remember Jim Jones? Do you think all those people thought they were believing a lie? No. They thought they were believing the truth. 
They were so unified in what they believed that they were willing to drink poison and died in the middle of a jungle. Why? Unity. Unity. And God said, I got to come down and confuse this thing. Because their unity has the wrong objective. They're building the wrong kingdom. They're building their own kingdom. And they're staying stuck in their own one little place. And I didn't call them to stay stuck in a plain of Shinar. I called them to be fruitful and multiply and take the earth over. God came down. Don't miss this. God came down and in one miracle confused an entire civilization. It was a miracle that men and women who were speaking one language, immediately God moved and they started all speaking different languages. That, how many know that's a miracle? That didn't happen like in, in years or decades. Immediately, one of them looked at each other and said, I don't understand what you're saying. And then another one that, that was speaking something they understood, they said, oh, he speaks my language. And they moved over here and started their own little thing. And then another one speaking another language said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I, what am I hearing? I got to find somebody I understand. Do you understand the miracle of this? That God literally got in the communication capacity of humanity and God said, I'm going to mess it all up. I'm going to shift it and make different languages and ethnicities and groups of people and I'm going to let them all migrate to one place and speak in one language that, they, that that particular tribe can hear. And so you start having tribes over here and tribes over here and tribes over here and what gathered people together was the language they spoke. And it stayed that way until Acts chapter 2. And God said, in Genesis 11, I confused it. I confused the languages. I separated the people because there was no kingdom that they should be building and unified together, uh, establishing that kingdom. Come on, y'all. Look at this thing throughout the Old Testament, all the way through Exodus, Leviticus, Number Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judge, Ruth, first sex, Samuel, first sex, King, first sex, Crumb, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalm, Proverbs. I could go all the way through. You keep seeing the divisiveness and division of kingdoms. You got the northern kingdom, southern kingdom, Judah, Israel. You keep seeing all these kings trying to kill one another and people trying to sabotage thrones and all kind of craziness. Why? Because God is continually throughout history trying to get his people to understand there is really only one king and one kingdom. Come on in here. That's why they could not kill Josiah when Athaliah thought she had him on, uh, ha ha had the royal seed on the ropes. That's why Jehoshaphat hid Josiah in the temple of the Lord for six years just when it looked like the devil had ripped out the lineage of the Messiah God said I've always got one more I've always got to protect the throne because I see a day coming down the road when I will establish one king on the throne and he will establish his own kingdom his name is Jesus and of his government there shall be no end All throughout the Old Testament, we see the, the reach, the desire, the hunger for the kingdom. But there is no one that can establish the kingdom. And so on the backside of a Bethlehem sheep field, angels showed up in the middle of nowhere. And they stepped into the choir loft of eternity. And they sung in the key of eternity. And the Bible said, they said, joy to the world, the Lord has come. On earth let there be peace, good will to all men. Why? Because a virgin has conceived and brought forth a son. And they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save the world 
from its sins. I came to tell you when Jesus was born for 33 years, he preached and declared that the kingdom of God had come. And when he opened up his mouth, he tore down strongholds that had been established over the generations. And he said, that's why I came. My daddy wanted a kingdom on this earth. And I came to birth a kingdom. Oh my God, I feel like hollering in here. Jesus came to put the devil out of business. Jesus came to put the devil under your feet. There is a king today. And your Bible says, your Bible says that Jesus established his kingdom. He died and rose from the dead three days later. Preacher, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in the resurrection. Oh, you don't believe in God then. How many know God is a God of resurrection? That's not something to doubt. That's something to shout about. That's not something to wonder about. That's something to thank God for. Why? Because every one of us were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And if God can rake up the dead body of Jesus, God can save an alcoholic. God can save a drug addict. God can give new life to an adulterer and a homosexual. Oh my God, I came to preach about a king who saves to the uttermost. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you came from. God has a plan for your life. This kingdom was established through the declaration and announcement of the king. And after thousands of years of division, after thousands of years of brokenness, after thousands of years, oh Shia, of separation, Pentecost. Yes. Woo. Pentecost is not a denomination. Amen. You say things like, I'm Pentecostal. Let me inform you that Pentecost was a feast before it was a denomination. It wasn't your Christian denomination. It was a Jewish feast. It was a, oh, I feel like preaching right here for a moment. Oh, God, I feel him on me. Pentecost is the gathering in of harvest. How? Oh, Pentecost is the gathering in of increase. And what God did in Acts chapter 2 is he waited on the harvest. That He waited on the feast that commemorated harvest. And when people and Jews and, and Galileans and those from different, tra different places gathered in Jerusalem for the, for the holy feast. While they were there, the Bible said, and on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God said in Genesis 11, where's my help on the organ? Oh, I'm fixing to preach in here right now. God said in Genesis 11, I'm going to confuse it all because their language and their unity is causing a, a breach in my plan. So I'm going to separate them and I'm going to divide them up and I'm going to confuse them for a minute because I can't let them have the same language and I can't let them have the same heart if I do they'll build their own kingdom Oh, but in Acts chapter 2 when the king of glory left this earth he said I'm going to send the Holy Ghost 
Ghost. And when I send the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to preach your kingdom. And I don't want you to preach your agenda. He said, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with power from on high. And when you are endued with power, he said, I want you to go witness and tell everybody in Jerusalem, tell everybody in Judea, tell everybody in the uttermost parts of the earth that there is a God and he has a son and his son had a kingdom. Somebody give God praise. Let me unpack this. Whoop. Let me unpack this. And so what happened in, in Genesis 11 is that God confused everything. He gave different languages so that they could not understand each other. And the diversity of languages became the walls that kept them separated and made it impossible for them to become unified in building their own kingdom. But when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2, all of a sudden, a sound filled the house. Now, I know that we preach the wind and the sound, and I believe that, but read your Bible. The Bible said the sound that they heard was the sound of a heavenly language. All of a sudden, men who could not understand one another started speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and God started aligning vocabularies. This is why there's so much confusion in the church. If you don't preach the kingdom, you can't, you can't receive and understand kingdom people if you're trying to build your own kingdom. I'm not getting no help right here. There are too many people that don't speak the language of the kingdom because they're not speaking by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't know about you, but I can, I can discern and identify when people are not speaking the language of the kingdom. Do you know what I'm talking about in here today? Have you ever met somebody preaching but wasn't speaking the language uh, of the Spirit? Have you ever met somebody who could sing but they couldn't sing in the language of the Spirit? Have you ever met Christian leaders and you just heard what they said and it didn't sit right with you because they were not speaking in the language of the spirit don't miss this the bible said that when the holy ghost fell in acts chapter 2 they were confused why, why? they were confused that there was no confusion They said, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be able to understand you. How? I'm confused because you don't look like me, but I understand you. Oh, y'all not helping nobody. Oh, you don't dress like me. You didn't come from where I came from, but I hear you. Slap somebody near you and tell them, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. I hear you, I hear you. I know you're from Uruguay, but I hear you. I know you don't speak my, my, my physical language, but I heard you when you were standing up here today. You were, oh, y'all missing what I'm saying. Y'all missing what I'm saying. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will give you the ability to speak the language of the kingdom. It's kingdom unconfusion we live in a confused world 
And the reason we don't have unity, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. The reason we don't have unity is because we're living under Babylon. We're still living in Genesis 11 rather than Acts 2. If we ever move to Acts 2 and start speaking the language of the kingdom, then I'm going to tell you what happened in Acts 2. In one sermon, 3,000 people. Why? Because it's Pentecost. Pentecost means harvest time. Oh my God. I don't know Shanda. I'm telling you when the Holy Ghost starts moving in the church, you will do more than fall out in the floor. You will do more than roll in the floor. You will do more than get excited when the Holy Ghost comes and you start speaking the language of the Spirit. I'm telling you mass conversion. Hundreds and thousands of people will come into the kingdom of God. close up with this this is why there's so much division in the church now I know there are people who say we don't, the church is not divided I, I understand that but I'm going to tell you right now there is at least a perception of division in the church whether it is whether it's perceived or whether it is reality the fact remains we like getting around people who speak our own language We like hanging out with people who speak our vernacular. But I might suggest to you that sometimes the Holy Ghost is trying to break your walls down. Because the language of the Spirit is breaking out. And when the language of the kingdom of God starts breaking out, the division that, and the differences that separate us actually become things that we leverage. I remember 10, I like, I just, you know me, I'm going to just get right down to it. I remember 11 years ago when the first African-American lady joined our church. They talked about her, and they talked about us. Play something, LeBron. <laughs> People getting quiet. Y'all make me nervous when you act like that. You know me by now. I remember when the first African-American lady joined our church, the Lord spoke to me and said, that's a first fruit. Tommy Bates came by and preached about 12 years ago and he was in the middle of preaching. I'll never forget this moment. We had 100 people at that time. He stopped preaching and said, God's about to send a harvest and none of them look the same. It's easy to go to a church where everybody dresses the same, talks the same, very true. When they all speak in tongues, they sound the same. They shout the same, like the same music, eat at the same restaurants, wear the same cologne. 
don't brute 33 skin bracer smell. It's been a while. It's easy to go to that kind of church where everybody is homogenous. But it takes the Holy Ghost. It takes the Holy Ghost to be a place where folk from different places who live different ways come together and can have a conversation and understand and love and honor one another. That's the king. The kingdom was not gathering in people from one zip code. The kingdom was, yes, you're scattered. Yes, there are differences. But I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost so that you can speak their language and they can hear what you're saying. This coming Wednesday night, Pastor Devin was talking about light the night. We are spirit people. On a night of darkness, we're going to turn the light on. Well, not me. I'm going to sit up in my house and watch Jeopardy. What is crazy? Why don't we go speak by the Holy Ghost to a community waiting on somebody to just start speaking the language of the kingdom? And the language of the kingdom is breaking out. The culture of the kingdom is breaking out. The nature of the kingdom is breaking out right now. Ooh. Miracles and wonders are breaking out. The atmosphere of heaven is breaking out. We are called to bring a kingdom unconfusion to the confusion in our nation. And here's what I'm prophesying this to you. What's getting ready to happen is they're getting ready to be confused about the lack of confusion. Y'all missed it. It went like this. You're going to be eating the chicken leg at lunch today and drop the leg in your potatoes and go, I got it. I just got it. Mabel, I got it. The world is going to be confused when the church is able to speak in a way. We got to lose our confusion, and when we do, there'll be a season when the world is confused because we're not confused anymore. 
And we've been confused for 70 years as a church in America. And God's about to remove the, he's about to remove, to do that one time for me. He's about to remove the confusion and give us a spirit language. And the Holy Ghost is going to anoint us to be able to speak to people from all over this world. And when they hear the voice of the kingdom in our heart, Does this make sense? I was so I was so careful. I didn't want to confuse you, but today, no pun intended. No pun intended. But I need I need this house to start. If you're not already praying in the Holy Ghost daily for the language of the Jesus, for the language of the kingdom. To start being the language we speak in this house. These curtains are getting ready to be useless. Useless. Uh, Enlarge the place of your tent. Why? Because the language of the kingdom is breaking out. The Holy Ghost is giving us harvest. Somebody stand up with me and praise God right now. It's Pentecost. It's harvest time. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're in this place today and you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need Jesus to save me. Will you pray for me, Pastor? I need the Lord to save me. Come on, I need people just praying right now. Just, just, just lift your hands and lift your voice. God would just save people today who aren't saved. Somebody in this room needs to be saved, God. Somebody needs to be saved, Lord. We, we're here to welcome people, God. We, we're here to make it, make it just real, real plain, real easy for people to know how it is to be born again. God, don't let us use religion to complicate the matter. Let us just preach a risen Christ who loves all, saves all, forgives all. God, there is nothing or no one in this room you cannot rescue. There is no one in this room you have written off and forgotten. There is no one in this room, God, that you don't have a plan for. Let Let men and women who have not lived in your purpose step into your purpose today. If you're in this room, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're in this room and you need Christ Jesus to save you, you want to be a part of his kingdom. And you want to know that he is the Lord of your life, that your sins are washed away, that he's given you new life, that today you're going to step into the kingdom of God and you're going to live the rest of your life for the glory of God. I'm counting to three today for you. If you know you need Christ and you want him to come to your rescue, you want him to be the Lord of your life and save you. When I say three, shoot that hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me today. One, two, three. Right now, lift that hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand back there. Yes, ma'am. I see your hand back there. You can put your hands down. Everyone look at me right now. There's someone on your right and on your left. You may have known them your whole life. You may have never met them before this morning, but I 
want you to be used by God right now to ask the person on both sides of you across the aisles, do you need someone to go pray with you at the altar? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have and you want to give Jesus your heart, when they ask you that question, walk with them right down here. I'm waiting on you right here. The Lord is going to save your life today and you are never going to be the same again right now. Ask the person on your left and right. Ask them, do you need someone to go pray? Come on, pal. Come on. Come on. There's somebody else. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I've given it all to the Lord today. Come on. Come on. This is the kingdom of God. There is. Come on. Come meet me right here. Come meet me right here. I'm not living like this another day. I'm not living like this another day. Come on home. Come on home. Come on home. Come on in here. Come on in here. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Somebody's away from God, but you're coming home today. Come on. I'm not living like this anymore. Come on. There's somebody else who needs to come. Come on. Oh, God, come on. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. I told you. I told you you were coming. It's your day. Come on in here. Somebody give God praise. Come on, sir. Come on, pal. I need the church to give God a shout of praise. Stretch your hands toward them, Pastor Gary and the pastors and elders. The prayer team is going to pray over them today. I want you to pray for them like you wish somebody would pray for you the day you gave your heart to Christ. I want you to pray strength and multiplied grace on every one of them that have come. Come on, let's take a few moments to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And while they're praying in this altar, if you're watching me by live stream today and you don't know who Christ is and he's not the Lord of your life or you've known him and you've wandered away, you backslid and you're cold on God, today I want to tell you that the goodness of God is coming into your life and God's coming to rescue you. All you got to do wherever you are is call on the name of the Lord. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you and make you new. I pray for you now in the name of Jesus that God would bless and touch your life. Every sin washed away as you confess it today. The old is past and the new has come. Christ has made us new. Let's lift our hands and thank him all over this place today. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. They're still coming. Hallelujah. They're still coming. Hallelujah. They're still coming. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. They're still coming. Oh, somebody just lift your hands and go to thanking God that today salvation has come to this house. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Now let's all lift our hands and ask God for the language of the kingdom to break out in this house, that the Spirit of God would be the language of this house. Come on, give Him your heart right now. I know you're saved, but give him your tongue, your spirit, your mind. Lord, we don't want to live in Babylon. We don't want to live in confusion. We don't want to live in confusion in this house. We don't want to be confused about our assignment. We don't want to be confused about our agenda. We want to build your kingdom. We're not building our own tower. Come on, family. We're not building our own tower. We're building a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Lord, may you add your blessing to this house, harvest to this house. Forgive us for being aligned 
with just people who are our kind. Let us understand we are one nation, a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many know we're one? I said, how many know we're one? I, I do this every now and then. We ain't done it in a while, but grab your neighbor by the hand. Sing this. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. Of God's body. It is his will that every need be. Let's just close in in the aisles too. Come on, let's just gather right here, everybody. Come on, before we go. Stretch out, come across. You are important to me. I need to sing. I pray for you. Come on. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you, I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you, I need you to survive. It is his will. You are important. You are important. I need you to survive. Lord, when we grabbed our neighbor by the hand, some of us felt weird. And we felt that, do I belong here feeling? Thank you that you're tearing that feeling away. And everybody's understanding that they're part of this family. And I thank you that this family is not just our family, it's the, it's the Father's family. And you're building a family because you've established your kingdom. And now, God, you, by your Spirit, give us the grace to speak to people from all over this world and invite them into this great kingdom of God. And it is through and by the blood of your Son that we have become one today. And I pray we would live in unity in the name of Jesus. And God, even though there is no uniformity, there is unity in our diversity. We honor and celebrate you and we honor and celebrate each other. So let us leave this place today speaking the language of the kingdom of God in the name of your son Jesus. And everybody shout it. Share the love of God with each other all over this house. Hug 317 people by the neck. I look forward to fellowship with you out the door on your way out. God bless you. Be a part of life tonight this Wednesday. Go in the peace of God.